Hi, this is I'm Also, and I'm Adrian. My guest today is Liam Ryan, who's been working in the music industry for over 40 years. Liam's various roles include keyboardist for the Narcs, music educator, and manager of the National Youth Jazz Competition in Tauranga. G'day, Liam. Hi, Adrian. Nice to be here. Thank you. Thank you. Um, what are your current, where's your current energies going towards? We've so much going on. Today? <laughs> well, today I'm um, in Tauranga to run the Tauranga Jazz Society monthly jam. So I do that, I suppose, as an, an, out, an outcome from being um, the manager of the National Youth Jazz Competition. So, but that's one day. Yesterday I was in the studio at, at home. I've got my little studio at Anamkara in Waihi. Um, that's right, my, you've got your own label. I've got my own label out there, Torch Music, yeah. And... Um, and and the the days before that, I was working with a songwriter who I've um, been writing and recording with her, Ellie Cook. And the day before that, I was on stage um, as part of the academic uh, ceremonial party, um, bestowing you know degrees on on uh, graduating students from SAE. And and in between all that, I guess I've been working on the up- upcoming NARCs tour, which we're doing the South Island. We're doing nine dates over summer, actually. South Island, North Island and Australia. And I'm kind of involved, the whole band are actually involved in self-managing that project. So there's a lot going on, yeah. yeah. And are you sort of a, a planner or are you more of a, just I just sort of see what comes along kind of a person? Um, no, I, I tend to I tend to be more of a planner these days. I used to say yes to everything and then figure out how the hell I was going to do it. And it used to be a big joke in classes when I was teaching tertiary students to say, if you can keep up with me for a week, even when I was in my 40s and late 40s and 50s, if you can keep up with me, with me for a week, uh, you know, I'll, I'll give you a chuppa chup. But I'm a bit more kind of like, I'm a bit more kind of organized now about that. I, I do the things I really want to do and I tend to, mm, you know, to flick the things I really don't want to do. And when I'm in, when I get confused about what my role is, because there are a lot of roles going on there, between being an academic, a label and studio guy, and a, and a working musician, and then um, the youth competition, um, you know, my kids always used to say to me, "Dad, go to the piano." And really, that's my default place is yeah. actually sitting at the piano. I'm a musician, really, underneath it all. You know, yeah. mm. so that's probably what you're best known for, isn't it? I guess so. Yeah. Yes. Although, um, yeah. I mean, I've, I've done so many things in the past, but I think being a musician in the 21st century is very much a portfolio career anyway. Yeah, yeah. It kind of has to be. I mean, I, I always think musician, magician are words that are very closely yeah. related. And honestly, it's like juggling uh, balls or, you know, having spinning plates sometimes. But that's that's life as a musician in the 21st century, I think. Has it changed a lot since you sort of found fame, I guess, in yeah, the well, 80s? Well, yeah, I mean, we were lucky. Uh, when I was with the Narcs in the 1980s and even with the Mitch Marsden band before that, both of those bands did significant albums and were supported by major record companies. And there was a kind of a feeling that, you know, you got a big advance up front, you know. Sometimes it was a six-figure advance. It was big, big amounts of money, and the band kind of lived off that for two or three years. Four or five guys could live off that for, for two or three years, you know. So you sort of felt secure. Even then, it was what I'd call you were still in the precariat. It was still pre- pretty precarious, but you sort of felt you had your, someone had your back. I think as the, the majors, you know, or as I got older and my relationship with the majors kind of, um, wore off and I became more of an independent artist you just had to find other ways of um, of, of making a buck you know I just mm-hmm. couldn't do music full time mm-hmm. and I guess the, the crunch point for me was when my partner at the time rang me up when I was on tour with the Narcs and said guess what we're going to have a baby and it was like oh my god I have to get something more kind of um, more secure than being a touring musician. By that time, I think I was in 
I was 35, something like that. So at that point, I started looking seriously at going into teaching and um, ended up um, leading various um, teams at tertiary, um, at, at Wintec in, in Hamilton, New Zealand, and, and over here in Tauranga, New Zealand, in, in New Zealand and, and, and then you know, at, at Christchurch. I've done, I've done a lot of setting up of degrees, diplomas, uh, courses, and things like that. And that's been a pretty serious part of my um, existence, you know. Yeah. In fact, that tertiary part or the academic part of my life is as important um, to me as my being a musician. You know, I'm, um, there are certain parts of my academic life that I really, really treasure, not the least of which was the chance to do my master's and actually yeah. study the rise of rhythm and blues in Christchurch yeah. between 1960 and 1970. Yeah. I found that as enthralling as being a musician. But I, I do love being a musician. That's what I'm looking forward to this, this summer. I've got 25, 25, 30 gigs, I think, lined up for this summer playing with all sorts of different bands. Um, from the local band I play with here, the Blue Riders, to the Lizard Kings, which is a, a Doors tribute band. Yeah. Um, there's a bit more than that, but that's what it is. Um, the Narks are on tour. I'm playing with the Midge Marsden band. Um, I've got stuff coming up with the Southwesters, which is a kind of a country alt band. But I guess I'm a gun for hire in that way, you know. Yeah. How do you balance all the different bands in, is it? You do. You just have to be organised. You know, yeah. I've got um, the iPads as my friend. I've got all of the repertoire in in the iPad. I can just go into iBooks or whatever and just dial up yeah. the Lizard Kings, the Narks, the repertoire yeah. is in there. But um, you just have to be well organised. I basically take those shows off the shelf, and um, maybe and quite often no rehearsal these days. The band calls you up, and I what I call albatross. I fly in. Um, I'll fly into Christchurch with the uh, Lizard Kings, yeah. meet them at the sound check. And we'll run through a couple of things and then do the show that night and then I'll fly out the next day. So it's kind of, yeah, it's it's kind of fast-paced, but um, it's good to get back home. to. That's why I live in Waihee. It's quiet. Yeah. Um, it's really peaceful and I can get away from that road life and that fast-paced kind of music life and go home. I think that's the secret to the whole thing is to find a quiet place. Yeah, because you were living in Christchurch at the time of the earthquake, weren't you? When yeah, you that so yeah that just a, a more, more just afterwards. But oh, certainly yeah. we lived through some thousands of earthquakes after the, yeah. the big ones, you know. And that was pretty That was pretty wild. I was managing the, uh, the Christchurch Jazz School music arts program down there. And, and that was a time of um, complete chaos in the city, you know. Yeah. Uh, we used to call it Game of Cones because, I mean, Every street had those red red traffic cones. Every street was being dug up, and houses were being pulled down. And you know, you drive. I drive over the hill from Diamond Harbour to go down to the city every day, and you'd see one more crane in the sky, in the skyline, and one more building would have come down. I think in the time I was there, they pulled down something like eight hundred buildings, wow. and and a lot of them were, you know, kind of semi skyscrapers. So yeah. it was kind of interesting, and it felt it felt as an earthquake would. It felt unstable, yeah. but you know, again, the best friend through all of that was music. You know, yeah. music's very loyal friend. It won't leave you. You know, yeah. and you can deal with a lot of you can deal with a lot of instability if. Um, and relationships or your environment if you've got music, you know. That's for me anyway. Yeah. Didn't you one of your you had a recent single actually about Christchurch, wasn't it? Yeah, we did. Yeah. With the Narks we wrote a song called Summerhill Stone. Yeah, and that that came about because um myself and Tony Wayne, who's in the in the band, we both came from the northwest corner of Christchurch and all the houses there were made out of this stuff called Summerhill Stone, which is kinda of like a coloured brick. But it, they were they were kind of lime pink Brown and and that whole area, which is out by the um, out by the airport, actually, all those houses they had the it was kind of cookie cutter kind of mm -hmm. suburbs, you know. But yeah, so we we, we uh, but the, funnily enough, the Summerhill Stone houses were the ones that withstood the earthquake. Yeah. They seemed to do all right, you know. Yeah, it was the older concrete, uh, older concrete and 
uh, brick buildings from the early earlier in the 20th century that kind of fell over in the earthquakes, especially you know starting with the chimneys usually, and then everything else after that. Yeah. So living in Wahine, so your studios in Wahine, isn't it? Your recording studio. Yeah, I mean, I call it a studio. I guess it's it's just a really nice music room, you know. Yeah. But there's something about being rural that I really like. I mean, sometimes um, when I'm ranting after a few Chardonnays, I'll say that Cuba Street in Wellington and Queen Street in Auckland are irrelevant to me because I actually have a life in Waihee which is kind of cushioned. And that room is really my little cocoon, you know. But I've got my Hammond there with a Leslie and I've got a grand piano in the next room and I've got some nice microphones. I've got a quiet space and luckily I'm on the main road between... Um, you know, Tauranga and Auckland. A lot of people are on tour. Drop by the house, have a cup of co- uh, have a cu- cup of coffee or a cup of tea, yeah. and I'll say, "Hey, you got your, your guitar?" Or last week it was Patty Long from Christchurch. You got your pedal steel in the car? Bring it into the studio. And so I guess in that way, I'm a kind of a facilitator or enabler or networker. Um, that, but that house in Waihi, um has been a real godsend. I mean. Um, it's it's it was cheap, um, and that's one of the reasons I'm able to live an artist's life because we haven't got I haven't got a lot of overheads. You know, we bought an old heritage villa there, <coughs> which I've had to spend a bit of time doing up. But I've, I love that too. Um, you know, it was only months ago that I was standing in the stream that goes through the property, um, in my waist up to water with a chain with a, with a chainsaw, um, cutting uh, logs that had come down during the winter. You know, but I like that part of my life. Two things I thought I'd never own: a chainsaw and a gun. And um, it's just living in the country. Um, you, you kind of live that rural existence. And it's quite removed from Queen Street and, and Cuba Street. And, and, in, and now when I finish a piece of music in, 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 the, in, in the Anamkara studio, um, it goes straight up on, on the platforms anyway. It goes up digitally. And I just don't have to really negotiate with a major or with anybody else. And I do music for music's sake now. It's kind mm. of a different time. It's cool. It's mm. pretty, I mean, like, well, he's quite sensual. Yeah, well, it is. It is. I mean, I call it being in the centre of the diamond because I'm a, I'm about an hour from the motorway into Auckland, an hour to the, to Hamilton, um, and then I'm an hour from or less than an hour from Tauranga, and even Rotorua is within Kiwi, and and behind us we're eight minutes away from some of the most beautiful beaches in the world, um, Waihi and Fitatoa and Whanganatara yeah. and all those places. So like Waihi Beach as well. Yeah, fantastic. It's beautiful. Yeah. So. Um, so it's it's kind of it's but it is by design. I mean, we, when we were in Christchurch, we I suppose the turning point in Christchurch was that we were living down there, and a spring came up underneath the house. I mean, you'd walk out of that, you walk out of the house, and you'd see a crack in the concrete yeah. after the earthquakes, and the, that crack would slowly get bigger over days, and you'd think, "What the hell's going on here?" You know? yeah. <laughs> and you think we've got to deal with that. But a spring came up underneath the house just one day, just popped up after one of those shakes, and. Um, and we, we just wanted to go somewhere where we had what we'd had in Christchurch and in Nelson before that, actually, which is the hills. We had Because we were living in Diamond Harbour, so we had the hills around us. Mount Herbert was at our back, and then we had the sea in front of us. And we felt the same. I feel the same in Waihe. I've got the, the hills around us. They're sort of like a, they embrace you. The way, the, the way they do in Tauranga. You yeah, know, you've yeah. got the Kaimais, and then you, you've got the ocean. And there's something about the land, sea, and sky mm. um, that's very nourishing, you know, as an artist. It's really cool. And the other thing I like about Waihe is it's um, it's a mining town, so there are unusual characters there. You know, yeah. the place is full of very interesting people. So, you know, I mean, it's it's neither left wing or right wing. It's just everything. Everything's in the mix, and um, and I love the whole local culture there. It's just fantastic, and there's some great musicians there. You know, um, Sarah Spicer and Shona Lang, and um, a whole lot of other great players in the area who who kind of um, seem to descend on the villa, and we have um, a lot of fun making music there. You know. In, in music, is there anyone you um, 
you sort of get a bit awestruck by after all these years or is it or has he been someone you went man you've always wanted to meet and then you met them and went bit of a well i've been well i've been lucky i guess to meet a few people i i mean i i had a great conversation backstage with with bono actually from you oh, too and that was that was when i was writing and that's another thing i've done in the past when i was writing for the bay of plenty times i i wrote a thousand words a week as their music kind of columnist and somehow I ended up backstage um, when you two came to town in Auckland. And um, I mean, people tend to they tend to give Bono a hard time, but man, when you're having a conversation with that guy, he's quite articulate and he's quite insightful and uh, and he's quick. You know, yeah. I really love talking with that guy. He was very grounded, actually. I found, and and and, and that was after his show, which was a stunning show. You two say what you like about them. Their live show is phenomenal. To see him. In that environment, and be able to have a, a, a close-up conversation with him for some time, like come and sit down over here. You know, oh, yeah, he, he yeah. took the bring your salad and come and sit over here kind of thing. It was really amazing um, having a, a talk with him. But I mean, I mean, with the Narcs, we've opened for Elton John and the guys from Midnight Oil. You know, they were just they were phenomenal, um, uh, very uh, politically aware, and um, they they were so committed too as musicians. Like they would very much. Um, do the show and then we'd be in the bar and the you know in the house bar after the show and they would all head upstairs and you'd hear them doing their their harmonies with peter garrett um who you know and, and they were just so committed as a band that was that was probably a real turning point for me because i realized that music was a a platform for for getting good messages across so i still kind of believe that yeah. although i don't, I, don't I, I think meaning meaning as a concept is kind of overrated and trying to change the world as a concept is overrated i think the best you can do is really try and change yourself but hanging around peter garrett was very inspiring and having breakfast was with him when he was talking about you know the, when they were writing songs like the, the beds are burning and he was talking about the aboriginal thing and, and they were doing shows and um you know, uh, at Alice Springs and things like that, and then traveling to Tokyo to play and things like that. It was it was amazing talking to those guys. I you know I've been lucky to hang out with a lot of good people. I mean, prior to that, I mean, yeah, I was in LA and I had a I had a songwriting publishing deal over there and met some interesting people. You know, um, Billy Idol's people and um, and it, guys who wrote with Madonna, Lyle Lovett, uh, and the Pointer Sisters. Like probably names not known to to uh, millennials but but in my time those people were awesome to be hanging out yeah. with you know and um i guess what i what i got from that was that um fame is quickly demystified when you're with somebody they just they just people and especially as songwriters if you're if you're collaborating with someone like that you're really in a different space with them you know work is work yeah. um john's what john cage always said when he was asked what is music music is work and really and you're work, working in that environment um they are fantastic people, you know. But, you know, I'd say that Peter Garrett, Bono, those yeah. two guys that really knocked me out, you know, when I met them. Yeah, and I guess I'll let you take all that knowledge on to the working with the young generation, such as with the jazz jazz competition. Yeah, very much so. I mean, um, the problems are all the same, really. It doesn't matter what genre you're in, you know. I mean, the problems are the same, whether you're a singer-songwriter or a jazz player or a rock and roller or a funkster or a DJ even, you know. Like, you've got to somehow get a few things in place. Um, I suppose jazz... As an idea, I guess what I really like about it is behind jazz is discipline, you know, because you can't really play. You, it's not hit and miss with jazz. You kind of know your scales or you don't. Yeah. And um, so I really admire those kids who come along to the National Jazz Festival uh, and, and particularly the National Youth Jazz Competition. 
they come along to the, the National Youth Jazz Competition every year in Tauranga and, and display what they've learned. And honestly, the level of playing is just phenomenal from those year 12 and 13 students. And, you know, we have 300 of them here at a time, uh, as you know. And um, they are really uh, articulate kids, they're really very hopeful. And beyond all of that, they're, um, they're very talented as musicians and it all comes from discipline. You know, mm. it's, it really is, um, to me, it's a kind of a artistic pinnacle as a musician. There are other pinnacles that people can try for, like being a, a great lyricist or songwriter. But as a musician, you know, and I trained for some years as a classical musician. I, I played uh, violin for eight years when I was a kid, from the time I was eight till I was 16, 17 or so. But um, and that was pretty pretty cool. I felt it pretty I felt it pretty smothering in a in a sense. But jazz, that my interest in jazz has kind of puts me into that classical zone, if you like, where you've just got to be uh, quite disciplined about learning your instrument, you know. So I find those kids uh, are really amazing. And and the National Youth Jazz Competition, a lot of great. New Zealand musicians have come out of there, you know, including Nathan Haynes, Holly Smith. Um, you, you know, there's there's a lot of great names, and every scratch the, the surface of just about any great New Zealand band, whether it's Fat Freddy's or someone, any of those bands, and you'll find that there's um, graduates or people who've come through the National Youth Jazz Competition. So you always feel like you're watching potential, you know, and seeing the whole idea of potential right in front of you when you see those kids performing. They really are something mm. else. Yeah, because yeah. often they say. Sometimes they say, oh, I'm not really into the jazz so much. But then they're, they're in other areas, but yeah, they are learning so much. Yeah, well, I guess what we call transferable skills, yeah, eh? Yeah, you know? yeah. Um, but, I mean, yeah, jazz is interesting because, I mean, half half of it is listening and, and, and negotiating a space to play in, you know. So so that's a, that's a, that's a talent or a, a skill you can take into your into your life just in conversation mm. you know you learn to listen and then speak when it's when you've got something to say and that's what i like about jazz it's it kind of as as winton marsalis would say it's democracy in action you know it's, it's a pretty pretty cool concept i mean honestly i think people who are into jazz um get quite evangelical about it and yeah. i can see why because it's almost a kind of religious <laughs> a religious place to be you, you know there is a there's really beauty there's great beauty in in and making music up on the spot and improvising, you know. Um, I guess that's what I like about being a musician. When someone flings me a solo, when someone points to me and says solo, it's like you can actually express yourself, you know. Mm. And jazz, is, that's what it's all about, you know. And I think that's something really, it's very risky. It's mm. very risky, um, but it's pretty cool if you can pull it off, you know. Mm. Yeah, pretty high order skill. Plus at the festival you work with your wife. Yeah, yeah. well, Mandy's the director of the, of the festival now. And I, and, I, and I did that job in the past. I've been very involved with the Tauranga Jazz Festival since 2002, I think. So it's like 17, 18 years um, that I've been involved with that festival in a whole lot of ways, you know, as a director, as an artistic director. And I'm tending to stand back a bit more from the festival now um, just because I, th- I made a decision a few years ago to enable or promote my own music rather than um, enable or promote everybody else. Mm. The only exception to that, I reckon, is the kids. So I really, mm. I really like the idea of helping kids, which is part of my academic or teaching or vocational yeah. kind of thing. But, but really, um, I'm quite happy to stand back from the festival. It's very stressful running a festival. Just the weather. There's so many, again, about talking about stability with the earthquakes. You know, you don't know what the weather's going to be like. You're not quite mm. sure how your budget is going to go. And well, there was we that storm a couple of years ago, wasn't there? Yeah, yeah. It was Cyclone Deborah, was yeah, it? I think it was that. Yeah, and that yeah. was. There's nothing worse than standing in front of a stage in your gumboots, you know, up to your knees in water and saying to the PA guys, take the PA down and drive it back to Palmerston North or wherever it came from. 
and knowing that you've got a but i must must admit that's only happened once i think in all the time when we woke up one morning and there was horizontal rain coming in and we knew that we were in trouble but um but it's running a festival in a small place like tauranga is quite political you know that there's funding issues there's um some people would rather see the money going into sewerage or, or, or roadways than into the arts and um I would say that that's um, that's probably a conversation that's ha- held, particularly in the provinces, but in New Zealand, probably around the world. Actually, I think everybody has a problem with, you know, whether you want to feed people's well-being, quote unquote, or whether you want to feed their kind of interest infrastructure. And we're definitely on the well-being page, so it makes it quite a stressful life when you're dealing with the realities of politics and funding, mm. and trying to deliver a good arts event. That's mm. a real challenge, and it's very stressful. So I was quite happy to step back. And my wife, who's very good with um, Mandy, who's very good with spreadsheets and a great communicator, and she's got a background in marketing. She really has taken that and and run with it. And I guess I'm just a voice in the background, really. But yeah. I tend to stand back now from that whole thing. Yeah, yeah. she knows what she's doing. She knows what she's doing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, I'm more concerned about getting the chords right on, you know, on the song I'm working on or the next gig I'm doing or whatever. And um, and thankfully, she, I'm very, I'm very grateful that she's so generous and gives me that space. And I think that's part of the uh, complication of being an artist in any relationship is actually finding a, a family or a whanau kind of an environment where people will let you express yourself. Like I said, my kids say, "Go to the piano." It's still the rule for me, you know. I can't, and, and the piano is close to the kitchen, you know. So, uh, you know, while you're waiting for the spaghetti bolognese to boil or whatever, you can just go and work out the bass line off for something because you can see the piano through the door. So all those things are, are um, mixed up together, but being in an environment where you're supported is really important, I think, for musicians. I'm lucky to have a, a wife who really understands that, you know. She's mm. just fantastic. That's great. Yeah. yeah. And uh, we'll just we'll do the plug the summer events. Yeah. This is my plug plug the event summer. Yeah. Plug the event. So we've got, so we've got Narcs for South Island. South say. Island, yeah. We take off in December. December the 11th, I think. Um, it's, is it December the 11th, I think? 11th to the 15th, something like that. Yeah. December and the 11th, yes. Wanaka. Yep. Yeah, we start in Wanaka. And then we go December to... December 12th. Yep. Invercargill. Yes. December 13th. Amaru. Yes. December 14th, Littleton. Littleton, yeah. Yep. And then it says January, Tauranga. Yes, that's right. We're playing in Tauranga at the Jam Factory. Waihi Beach, Taupo, Hamilton, and then, <coughs> excuse me, Brisbane. Yes, we're doing one show in Brisbane, yeah. Yeah, so, um, yeah, so that's no, that's a run of shows with the Narcs I'll be doing, which I'm really looking forward to, looking forward to doing. It'll be good. Yeah, yeah. Heaps yeah. of Kiwis and Yeah, that's right. And a lot of them know <laughs> the band, and that's where Andy, the lead singer from the Narcs, lives over there, so... So that's why we're doing go the gig over there, basically. Yeah, yeah. Really looking forward to that. Mm-hmm. Oh, William, thanks for your time. No worries, Adrian. That was great. Cheers. Thank you very much. All the best, mate. Thank you. Okay.